I had always knew that real estate was an interesting thing to do and a good way to generate wealth. I didn't really know what I was doing. I ended up buying a piece of property. But when I look back at it now, it's probably the worst real estate deal I ever did just from a pure numbers perspective. But I learned a lot of things through that process and through the renting of the home and maintaining that home over several years that were invaluable. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to Weiss Advice. I am your host, Yona Weiss. How are you all doing today? It's a rhetorical question, obviously, because you can't answer. But I'd love to ask my friend, Matt Ficeni, how are you doing today? Hey, hey, Yona, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. <laughs> it's such a pleasure to have you on here. I appreciate you taking the time and joining us today. I'd love to get to know Matt a little bit more, a little bit about Matt. He's a managing partner of MJP Property Group. So it's a real estate investment company. Surprise, most of our guests are big time, multifamily. He's got a portfolio over 2,000 units and focused on, you know, multifamily. And I think primarily in the um, Kansas City, Kansas, uh, you know, outskirts, Overland, where, where, where exactly are you, are you located, your properties? I don't Overland remember. Park, Overland Park's a great area. I don't own, any, own anything over there, uh, but that's a great area. I, you know... My portfolio, so you know, it's it's over two thousand. It's going to be close to three thousand pretty soon. Is spread out geographically because seventy five percent of that portfolio are deals that I'm a passive investor in. Gotcha. Twenty five percent are the deals that I sort of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the sponsor. So the things that I'm have more ownership over are primarily in that greater Kansas City area. It, it includes. I have 132 units in Lawrence, which is right. about 45 minutes away. It's not technically Kansas City, MSA, but generally kind of in that sort of neck of the woods. But I've invested in properties in, um, I, I own something in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I live in Boston. I own, I'm invested in properties in, in, in Florida and in Texas. And That's awesome. Sort of all over, yeah. And it's all multifamily. All multifamily. Yeah, I have two single family properties that I own in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. All right. Well, um, you know, Matt, you, you're out in Boston there and you have you have a big meetup group over there in Boston as well, right? You put on like a monthly, I mean, not currently, probably because of the current situation. Yeah. Well, we have one last night. Um, really? What we did we, online. So okay. We, we cool. moved it online onto Zoom. And I've sort of opened it up for people. We actually had some people last night, some friends and investors that I have who, who aren't local who are able to join now because it's online. Uh, we really like the personal doing it in person as a local meetup. Uh, and it's great. But obviously with COVID, we have not been able to do that. Um, we just moved in Boston into a phase two. You're allowed to have gatherings of like 10, I think it has to be less than 10 people right now. So we probably have a few more months before we're able to start yeah. doing them in person again. Well, hey, I'd love to, to join your online because I don't know the next time I'm going to get out to Boston, but I would have uh, loved to join it, you know, in person. But, uh, it, you know, the meetups online are, 
are a lot of fun also. I started one also, a weekly, a weekly virtual real estate meetup. So I know. I've seen it and I actually <laughs> want to attend. I have a timing conflict because of the COVID and the children and everything. The yeah. time doesn't work for me. But the topics that you have and the speakers that you've been having are great. And my goal is to try to get my schedule realigned so I could go to it because I think there'd be a lot. I, I'm, I'm guessing that there's a tremendous amount of value that, that you're bringing to your audiences. With there that. is. And it's more, you know what really it is, is because we do have like awesome speakers. I, I love the fact that, I, you know, bringing in some people that I really respect and really amazing topics. But at the same time, we're got, you know, the people that are coming to them. And, you know, this time we're having, you know, 30, 40, 50 people each time. And it's yep. become really like a group. And we're doing these kind of Zoom breakout rooms, which are a lot of fun, oh, where cool. we're after the speaker will split up into these like three to four people groups and really get yeah. to intimate kind of like a Zoom, just like this. Like I'd be talking to you, you're talking to me. And then some random, you know, we'll put together random people and like, hey, what are you doing in real estate right now? What are you doing? Where are you? What, and how can we help each other? And it's, you know, it's the closest thing to networking that we can do right now. So I'm, I've really been enjoying facilitating that because literally like people have done deals or like getting into, you know, deals together just from that. So that, that's like amazing. That's awesome. That's amazing. So if you're not, if you're doing on zoom, your, your thing, you should definitely look into those breakout rooms because it's really fun, really fun aspect to it. Yeah. I have seen that. And, and that's something we may do the, the, the great thing about it is that our group has gotten so tight knit and it's a large group. We, we usually have at least a hundred people at the meetups and depending on who the speaker is, like you said, it's really about who, what kind of value you're bringing to that audience. We'll have 200 people sometimes at that, but it's been going on for several years right. now. It took us you know, three years to get to this stage. So we're all like know each other. There's probably like 15 or 20 of us that are really the serious hardcore, like every single one. And then there's maybe another 20 or 30 that come. So we end up at the end of our meetups now, just kind of like round robbing, robbing around and letting people talk. And it's like one big breakout room, oh, that's um, cool. which is, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. That's really cool. So Matt, you have a little, you know, people who are in real estate. Most of the people that I know that are in real estate, didn't start their careers in real estate. It's, it's something that, and I think this is a common theme amongst a lot of people who have kind of gotten that bug where they understand at a certain point in time that real estate investments are a great vehicle to put my money, right? So that it can grow my wealth. So what were you yeah. doing before you started into real estate? Because if I recall, you have a, a pretty interesting background. I do. I, ha I have a <laughs> I would say unique background compared to most people that I meet that are in real estate. And, and I do find a lot of people, you know, come from a, an engineering background or some sort of finance background. I come from a background in the performing arts. Yes. So um, I was a theatrical performer. I, you know, I grew up in Florida. Actually, when I was in high school in Florida, I worked at Walt Disney World as a costume character. Um and I moved to New York City uh, for college. I went to a, a special musical theater conservatory. And after I graduated from that, I was a professional actor for about five years. Uh, I performed in um, 15 productions across the United States. Wow. Um, yeah, I just, I just counted them. I sat down and counted them the other day. I'm actually working on a, writing a little book that's going to oh, go cool. a little more into de detail and all this kind of stuff and my background and real estate and stuff. So I counted, it was like 15, 15 like legit 
productions in five years as a you know working actor. What was your favorite show that you put on? My favorite show that I was in was was Tommy. I was in a production of the Who's Tommy right after it was on Broadway. Mm-hmm. I was in a regional, the first regional theater production of it done. Uh, we did it in uh, Long Island and also in Connecticut. I think it's because. I think I secretly always wanted to be a rock star, but I wasn't really like cool enough to be a rock star. So, you know, most of my friends, you know, like when I was at AMDA, that's the American Musical Dramatic Academy, the conservatory I went to in New York City, you know, my friends would be sitting around listening to, you know, Andrew Lloyd Webber or Stephen Sondheim, and I'm sitting there listening to like Alice in Chains and, <laughs> you know, Soundgarden. And I mean, it's just that, that was, that was my music. That was my love and my passion, but I was never really like that guy, I guess. So anyway, I really enjoyed, I did some more like standard, you know, musical theater type stuff, but I enjoyed doing things that were a little more edgy, a little more contemporary, okay. um, which is actually translated into something I'll talk about a little bit later, which is my current involvement in theater, but, and the the types of theater productions I get involved with now are all sort of in that vein, but. Oh, so you're um, still, you're still involved in, in theater production to a certain extent. Yeah. So, well now um, I've been, uh, my my wife, her full-time job is in theater. Uh, She runs a theater here in Boston. She was on Broadway for many years. Uh, not as a performer, but on the back end, right, as a producer and, and, and production type of activities. So my wife and I partnered together on producing shows uh, for Broadway or investing in shows on Broadway. So, you know, shows we've gotten involved with are, um, you know, Hamilton. We were uh, involved in an international tour of Wicked. Um, and then most recently, um, we are co-producers on Moulin Rouge, which is, which is, was currently running on Broadway until COVID and will, will be coming back. Um, and David Byrne's American Utopia and David Byrne, you might remember as the lead singer from the Talking Heads. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Moulin Rouge has, uh, all, a lot of, you know, mainly contemporary music, David Byrne, right. Uh, right. Talking Heads burning down the house, that kind of thing. And then, uh, you know, even Hamilton, it's a lot of the stuff that I'm doing is not your traditional sort of you know, production of Oklahoma or something like that. The things yeah. I get involved with are a little more um, contemporary feel to them. That's really yeah. cool. That's really cool. You know, a lot of people don't know about me is that I actually had a bit of a stint in theater as well. Nothing professionally. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, well, what nothing professional. Do, but, <laughs> but in high school, I, I was in, you know, I did uh, a lot of drama and, uh, you know, theater as well. But well, what was I grew your up favorite in, role? Well, I grew up in Southern California. And so it was like a big thing. Like the actor, you go to Hollywood. And in my, my high school theater class, we actually won, you know, we comp- competed in um, kind of a, a competition, you know, it has uh-huh. high schools across the Southern California, whatever. And we won first place in a certain prize and we got to do this, go to like, uh, I don't remember if it was, was Universal Studios or one of the big studios where we had this kind of audition where we performed our performance in front of all of these producers and big agents and all these kind of stuff like that. So that was really wow. cool. And uh, one of one of the cast members in my class in that performance actually got to start um, was was recruited, I guess, to to do a pilot uh, TV show. So that was pretty cool. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I didn't really do anything like that anyone would know of. <laughs> 
it was kind of we we did some <laughs> original so pieces cool, actually. Though. Yeah, That's we did really some. Cool. Yeah, we did some original stuff. I love improv, which is really my favorite oh. part of comedy of wow. uh, of of theater yeah. in general. So, what about you? you improv is uh, some you guys do sometimes from time to time. I think it's a good practice. Uh, yeah, improv is really hard. Um, <laughs> and improv was never something that I was good at. I always admired people who who could do improv. I had a friend named Dan who's like he's hilarious and he would do amazing improv. And now he started a company where he does like um, improv training for corporate type of situations to help develop, I guess, skills maybe for people with sales and then things sure. of that nature. I don't know exactly the ins and outs of it, but um, yeah, improv is awesome. I, I, I totally respect people who can do that. I could never <laughs> pull it off. I can memorize a script or a song or play an instrument really well. That's where my strong suits are. But in terms of like coming up with, you know, comedy, like off the cuff, it's just. <laughs> it's a little worked. harder. It's for sure harder. Yeah. There's uh there's some great info. I, I appreciate it. I love doing that stuff. But anyways, back to you. So at what point would you, you know, did you find this kind of transition where, you know, you were in theater, you were doing these productions across the country. And then, you know, you said you had a couple small single families. It, did you start there in Nashville or? Well, the story is, uh, so there's another chapter, right? Okay. So my, my career has basically had three, three phases, right? So once I, I was in theater and then I actually transitioned more into digital marketing. So um, most of my time in New York uh, for about 16 years after the five years that I was an actor, I spent time in New York uh, in advertising. And it was kind of like a gradual transition that happened over time. I was doing some freelance stuff in between acting gigs, getting a little more selective about the gigs I was taking and then had an opportunity to actually start my own company. So I had a small boutique agency doing um, digital marketing and more sort of on the programming aspects of the business. Okay. That interests me a lot, actually, because, you know, marketing is something, especially digital marketing, something that I kind of do on my own, like freelancing in a way, not freelancing, but I just, you know, market myself and my, my own and stuff. Yeah. So, so it really interests me. Yeah. I mean, some of those skills have been good for me to, to help me like in, in terms of like building my website, things like that. I, I just built it myself. So I was doing that uh, for about five years and then the dot-com bubble burst. And then right around the time of 9-11, things were just kind of rough for me and my business because people weren't spending money on marketing activities. And Showtime, the cable television channel was a client of mine. I had done a lot of work for them and they we're meeting somebody in house. So they offered me an opportunity to come in house over there, which I did. Oh, wow. And then from there, so I was there for about five years and then I moved into, uh, that's when I really moved into digital marketing, sort of transitioning during my time there. And then I started working on advertising agencies. I worked at Ogilvy and RGA and MRY, just a bunch of big agencies in New York. Met my wife, we got married. But during the time that I was working in the agencies was the time that I started investing in real estate. So, you know, I was making good money, working my way up the corporate ladder, and I was putting money away in a 401k account. Right. But also being that I had this skill where I could build websites, I did that, you know, I'd have people that would come to me, you know, friends and friends of friends and say, hey, I need a website for this thing or that thing. So, I would get paid for that. And then I had like a little chunk of money that I wanted to do something with. And I didn't necessarily want to put that into the stock market because I had a lot of exposure in the stock market with all of my 401k. And 
I had always knew that real estate was an interesting thing to do and a good way to, to, to generate wealth. But I didn't really know what I was doing, but I ended up buying a piece of property in Connecticut, a piece of, of land, of land in a okay. community. In a community, it was in a, 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 like a residential so, land. A residential community. A friend of mine's father was a real estate agent up there, and I had been going up there to get away from the city. And I'd been up there several times. And this is a really nice lake community where if I bought this property, I could actually get like a space on the dock and buy like a little boat, which is what I did and could go up there on the weekends, um, even though I didn't have a house. So I would like stay at my friend's parents' house because they have this big house that we could stay at. So eventually though, I um, ended up building a house from scratch, working with a, a builder. And then I started renting it out. So the idea for me initially was, oh, this is going to be a weekend house. I, I live in Manhattan, which is like crazy. It's nice to have a place to kind of get away. But then it turned out to be something that I could rent more than I thought I would be able to. When I look back at it now, it's probably the worst real estate deal I ever did just from a pure numbers perspective. Like I would never do that deal again. But like at the time, I didn't know any better. And it was never bought as a real estate, like a rental place. It was bought as something that I was going to, number one, learn how to build a house, which I learned a ton from that. I learned a ton of like accounting. I didn't know what like depreciation was or any of those kinds of things. I learned a lot of things through that process and through the renting of the home and maintaining that home over several years that were invaluable. I ended up selling the property. I ended up doing fine financially. I didn't make a killing off of it, but the experience I got from it was phenomenal. And so after that, I started getting involved more in some single family properties, some fix and flips, some buy and holds. And I, I misspoke. I don't know why I said said Nashville earlier. I meant to say Memphis. Um, so, so in Memphis, I bought a couple of single family turnkey type properties. And I still own to this day and they cash flow really well, but it's like my basis in them is so small. Mm-hmm. You know, even if, even though I'm getting a 20% cash on cash return, it's like, it's peanuts in terms of the the actual dollars that come in. So what happened was my wife got an opportunity in Miami completely out of the blue and we decided to move down there. So I left my job working in these big ad agencies. And when we moved down to Miami, there was no big agencies. I mean, I was used to managing teams of like a hundred people and a lot of the agencies in Miami had like five people total. Um, that was number one, but number two, I was really kind of burned out from 16 years in agencies working crazy hours, uh, really sort of burning the midnight oil, a vast majority of that. I was single, so it didn't matter. But now I have been married for a couple of years. We had, I had a daughter who was a little over a year old. We moved to Miami and I had been doing well in the real estate world and just said, you know what, we, we had some real estate investments and some theatrical investments that were doing very well at the time. And I said, you know what, let me see if I can take this to the next level and do this full time. And so I dedicated myself full time to doing that and have been able to uh, sort of make a career of it. That's incredible. That's a great story. It really yeah. is. Uh, because, you know, it, it shows many different stages, you know, within that. And I think some people think that, you know, I have to start out small or I have to start out like this or I have to go big or I have to. And there's really no right recipe for that success because along the way, whatever you do, 
you're going to learn something along the way and it's going to be valuable, however that is. And, you know, you kind of find your niche, but obviously you found the, you know, the main uh, bulk of your investments are in multifamily properties now. Correct. Correct. Yeah. I mean, I have two single family and then the rest are all, I have one, one duplex, which is a property in, in Brooklyn that we own. And then everything else is our big, big numbers. Big, large, big large multifamily numbers. So what's the main reason that, you know, multifamily for you, as opposed to the smaller deals or the single families or the rentals? If I had to sum it down to one thing, there's two things because there's two aspects to the type of work that I do, right? So on one hand, when I look at it from a passive investor standpoint, it is the fact that it's completely passive. I mean, I don't have to do a darn thing. And, and you can't really do that when it comes to single family. It's very hard to. But for me as an active sponsor, it's really scalability. You can't scale... I don't want to say can't because I know a few people who do, but I think it's extremely difficult to scale investing in single family. I mean, the the best thing about doing single family and what I, you know, between to be technical between one and four units, right. As you know, is where you can get that conventional financing. So you have 30 year fully amortizing, you know, locked in interest rate. And that is the gold standard. That's the best kind of thing that you can do. And you're just good to go. But yeah, you're you building can't do equity, more, right? Yeah, but you can't, you can't do more than 10 of those. So if you're making $100 a unit, you know, or $200 a unit on, you know, 10 units, so it's $2,000 a month. So that's $24,000 a year that's great. I would love to have someone give me $24,000 a year, but I can't just use that to live off of. Right. For me most, and most a family right. of four. Yeah. $24,000 is tough to stretch for a family of four. And you kind of hit a ceiling there because once you get past 10, then you need to start going into commercial loans. And at that point, well, then why aren't you just doing commercial buildings? As far as I'm concerned, there's so many efficiencies of scale when you're going in that direction. So it's really sort of that scalability that is what made me move into moving in that direction. Yeah, that's really smart. Obviously, there are other benefits, but, but I think you summed it down to that uh, for you. That that is so. I appreciate that. I I want to I want to jump right now into the final four, Matt, because I want okay. to want to get into this and see. Uh, curious to know what your answers will be. So the first question I have is, what's the worst job that you ever had? <laughs> the worst job I ever had. And it sounds That's like you a had a, it sounds like you've done quite a, quite a few <laughs> different things. So I think the worst job that I ever had was when I was 15 years old, I worked at a car wash. <laughs> I think, you know, my parents, probably specifically my father wanted me, look, I, I don't, I don't come from a very wealthy background to begin with. But also, I think my my parents wanted me to understand the value of a dollar. So they they were like, well, you know, okay, you're 15, you want something, um, go get out and, and get a job, <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. So I got a job uh, at 15 in the state of Florida at the time, you were able to work like a minimal amount of hours or whatever. And I got a job at a car wash that was, I had to like ride my bike for like a half an hour to get to this place in the hot Florida sun. I grew up in Orlando, Florida. So, and then I'm at a car wash all day 
and you know the car would go through the car wash and then come out at the end and we would hop in the car and uh like dry off the you know spray the windows and, and dry off the car and i don't even remember what i made but it was like probably below minimum wage it was a terrible job i hated it i did it for like i think like an entire summer or something i worked there for like a, a decent amount of time uh, i think until right around the time i was 16 and then i started working at disney which also really made me appreciate the job at disney so much more <laughs> right you can so see much that better than working at a car wash that just you know that that sounds like and so what did you do at disney i'm just curious like you said you were a performer like you dressed up and like the... i was a costume character yeah i was a costume character so i was covered in fur for, for <laughs> most of my time there i i was chip and dale you know the chipmunks oh yeah sure the chipmunks um and then i got a special approval to be um, Mowgli from the Jungle Book, which is a something they call a face character because you actually see their face and you um, you don't um, hear uh, you can hear their voice because when you're when you're covered from head right, to toe you're just like fur, you don't yeah you don't like talk. <laughs> this I could talk and I, I actually on national television and the parades and stuff like that is Mowgli running down Main Street doing you know cartwheels and flips and stuff with like. The, the bear blue and you know yeah it, it it was a lot of fun i still have it a video of it my kids get a kick out of seeing that's that so cool. that's really yeah, cool yeah. so the second question is what is a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift yeah um yeah i i hate to say it because i'm sure most of you guys say it but it would be that purple book the robert kiyosaki you know i i had talked about moving to miami and just so that there's no confusion. I do live in Boston now, but right. but when we had moved to Miami, I had a little bit of time uh, as I was interviewing and looking at things. And I read the book and that's when I was like, why, why am I, why am I not doing real estate? That's something that I love that I'm passionate about. Like, why am I sitting here now looking for, you know, another job in the rat race when that's not what I want to do. It's not what I'm passionate about. And it's not about creating those streams of passive income, which is what Kiyos, that was my big takeaway from the book. Yeah. So that was a huge, huge paradigm shift in my life. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Rich Dad Poor Dad has definitely come up more than once uh, on this show, which just goes to show you if you're listening to this right now and, and this is the first episode you're listening to check out Rich Dad Poor Dad if you have not. And if this is something that you've heard more than once, I'm sure you've heard this book come up more than once. And for a good reason, because this has been a life-changing book for so many people around the world. If you read it, it might just be for you too. So I highly urge you, we're going to put that in the show notes. That, you know, you can, you can check that down there. Yeah. I mean, on that note, most of the time, you know, when I have a meetup or I'm talking somewhere, I'll often ask, you know, who, who's read the book and like it's like at least 90% of the crowd has their hands go up. So if, if you haven't, if you're listening to this and you haven't read the book, you should, you should give it a shot. Yeah. So what is a skill or talent that you would like to learn? And for someone that is already, you know, skilled and talented in many ways, that might be a, a hard question. I, you know, I, I would say that just about everything that I've wanted to learn, I've gone out and, and sort of done that, except for improv, which we talked about <laughs> earlier. Um, I, I would love to learn improv. You know, when I started really getting involved in, in the multifamily world, I had a lot of different skills that I needed to acquire. 
and you know, I've really made it a point to to focus on that. Um, I don't know if I have a, a big gaping hole. I mean, I think that certain people are predisposed based off of their personalities and things like that and, and, and the way their brains work to, yeah. to different things. I think I'm a little bit better on the, I'm a little more cut and dry and a little more analytical on things. I'm not um, necessarily the biggest schmoozer or, you know, sales guy, but that's something that I've learned how to do. And I've, I've actually been p- pushing myself to learn how to sort of network and talk with people and, and be true to myself and be authentic but also convey my ideas and my thoughts to people and um, something I've been working hard on over the past few years. Yeah. And, you know, believe it or not, improv might be a great way to channel that because it does teach you, you know, not just, I think improv is probably one of the best skill sets to learn how to speak publicly, but also speak privately. So if, you know, whether it's negotiating or, you know, just closing deals you know, with, with investors, you know, the skills that come with improv just allows you to think quickly and respond with it's the, you know, the biggest rule in improv that I remember is whenever anyone throws something at you, whatever it is, the answer is always yes. And right. You never say no, or you never try to like, like, Hey, what's that in your hand? Right. It's a banana. No, it's not. That kills the scene, right? That kills right there. It's like, you know, what's that you're in? It's a banana. Oh, can I have a bite? I'm really hungry. So it just keeps, yes, and they just keep it going. So in skills and negotiating and in, you know, in dealing with investors, for example, that's a great skill to have because whatever is thrown at you, you just continue the conversation. You just keep pushing it forward, finding ways to do that. So another great book on that, by the way, which just, I don't know, just for whatever reason just popped into my head right now is a book called Steal the Show. Hmm. And I... I'm blanking on the name of the author right now, but uh, a very big, uh, famous public speaker, keynote speaker. Maybe it'll pop in my head, maybe not, but steal the show. It's really about public speaking, but he talks a lot about improv in that book. And so that's a cool, cool thing. If anyone, oh wow, wants I'll to have to check that, that out. out. Put it in the show notes. I will put it in the show notes. Awesome. <laughs> and I'll question number four, Matt, is what does success mean to you? Success to me is uh, leading the life that I want to lead without somebody, um, you know, being able to do what I want to do uh, and having sort of that that freedom to to choose the pursuits that are are meaningful to me. Beautiful. Well said. Well put. And where can our listeners find you if they want to reach out to you? Yeah, well, I have a website. It's MJP pg.com you can email me uh there's a there's a contact form on the website or you could just email me directly it's matt m-a-t-t at mjppg.com um but uh i love talking with people regardless of whether you have zero units or a million units so feel free to reach out i love helping people answer questions and i have a book that's going to be coming out hopefully pretty soon in the middle of it so if you if you want to find out about that, shoot me an email. I'll put you on my email list, and awesome. when it comes out, you can. Yeah, looking forward. Love out. to, to yeah. see, learn more about, uh, learn more about your story and what makes you tick. So, thank you again. It's been a pleasure speaking with you as always, and I wish you much continued success. Yeah, thanks for having me on the podcast. I know this is a relatively 
new endeavor for you. And I think it's going to be incredibly successful. So I want to just wish, wish you the best with this. I think, yeah, you know, with the, the network that you have, you're going to have phenomenal guests on here, I think, that are going to bring a lot of value to people. So I, for one, have subscribed and I'm looking forward to, to listening to this. Awesome. Thank you. It is, it's been a pleasure. And thank you to our listeners. You guys make this all happen. So I appreciate you for tuning in this time. I hope you got value out of this. And remember, the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I wanna ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I wanna hear from you guys. So I wanna hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn, send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.